I'm going to preach a message today that I hope and pray will be a pushing out. Uh, I, you know, I always deal with scripture and I try to pull it together in a way uh, where I pray that, that, that we can look at it and we can grow and we can mature from it. And uh, hopefully that it's not boring. Hopefully it's something that will engage us. Uh, and I, I believe that's, that's why we come because we, we want to receive something from the Lord that's going to help us grow and I want to read to you something from Hebrews, and I'm going to base um, a message uh, for today, and, and we're going to uh, uh, preach a, a second part of this next week uh, on what the, Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says. Hebrews 10, 9 says this, then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. Now, I want everybody the, to, to read the next part of this verse with me out loud, and if you want to read it in the same version, you can read it from the screen. Read it to, together with me. Ready? Go. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. All right, say it again. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. One more time, a little bit louder. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. Okay, all right, very good. So what he's saying here is he has to take something away to establish something new. But here's the problem with that whole idea we don't want anything to be taken away. You know, we just, what we want, we want something new, but we want him to add on to our life and not ever actually change anything. But it's very clear that he has to take away so that he can move us and establish us in another place. And so I've entitled the message uh, this morning, a question that, that I believe God is asking me. I believe it's a question that he's asking you in this place. Uh, you know, listen, for me, after decades of being a Christian, after 30 plus years of being in the ministry, I can still hear him asking me the question that I'm going to ask you. And that question is, why are you still here? Why are you still here? And I'm not talking about here as in church or I'm not talking about here as on this planet. God says, why are you still here when I, want, when I need you to be there? Uh, why are you still here when you should already be over there? Why are you stopping and settling here when I've called you to something greater over there? Now Jesus, you know, he, the thing is he didn't come and die on a cross just to save you so that you could stay right here. But that salvation is to grow you and to move you somewhere else. God says that there is a plan for your life. He says that before the earth was ever created, he had a plan in mind. He knew about you and he knew about me before we, he ever spoke the world into an existence. Now, now here's the thing. Uh, all of you know we are all different. Some of us uh, among us, are more different than others, <laughs> but we're all different. Uh, if you look around, you see people wearing different colored clothes. You, you, you look at, and everybody has different kinds of cars and different colored cars. And, and, and some of us, you know, we have different kind of hairdos. Some of us have more hair than others. You know, we're all different. And that's okay because we have different giftings. The truth is, some of us in this place haven't discovered what you're supposed to do, but, but here's the fact that some of us in this room have discovered it, and, and now God has something else that you haven't discovered yet that you need to do. I know that he wants to establish me in, in something over here, but in order for that to happen, I have to let go of something old. I have to let go of something that I'm comfortable with, something that I want to hang on to in order to get over to there. 
You know, what, 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 what Jesus is talking about in Hebrews is the old covenant and the new covenant. He's talking about the fact that there was a better promise. There was a better thing that happened after he went to the cross. You know, and, and that when he, after he went to the cross, the old covenant was going to pass away. The, the old covenant deals with the old sacrificial system. I mean, how would you uh, like to have to deal with having to, 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 with the old system? And you'd have to worry about cutting open a bull and sprinkling blood all over the place in order to worship God. How many of you, you know, that'd be a lot of fun, wouldn't it? You know, in the Old Testament, you, you couldn't mix seed together. In the Old Covenant, you, you, you couldn't have two different kinds of animals plowing the field together. There were so many little things under the Old Covenant. covenant. There were so many don'ts under the Old Covenant. If you wanted to go into the presence of God, you couldn't do that. You had to go to the priest, and then the priest would enter into the, into the presence of God on your behalf. That was all under the Old Covenant. Now, now I'm going to take you into something right now that's, it's going to be really, really interesting. I want you to understand that God has a pattern for things that he's doing. And so when I read scripture, I'm looking for patterns to see what he's doing. And I don't want to just take one verse. I want to go through the scriptures so that we'll be balanced and find patterns of God throughout history. So, so where is there another pattern where God says, this is going to stop and this is going to start? We already see this in Hebrews, but let's see if we can find it somewhere else. I'm going to show you something. It's a, it's a verse that you know. It's a passage you know. It's a story that you know, but maybe you've ne you may have never caught before in the Scriptures what I'm going to show you. So I want you to look at Genesis chapter 1. That's, that's the easiest, easiest uh, book in the Bible to find right there. Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 through 5 says this. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. So when you're in darkness, you're oppressed, you're, you're depressed, you're, you're going through things, you're down, you've lost everything. That's darkness. We understand that the idea of darkness in our lives. That's a dark time in our life. But I want you to notice something in verse 5. It says, and evening passed. Somebody say evening passed. <laughs> and morning came. Somebody say morning came. Marking the first day. Somebody say first day. Very good. Okay, and you're all with me here this morning. Let's keep reading. Verse 6, Then God said, Let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky, and evening passed. Somebody say, evening passed. Evening passed. And morning came. Somebody say, morning came. Morning. Marking the what? The second. second day. So now God is creating during this time. If you keep reading, it says that he created all the vegetation of the earth. And he's doing all this. And, it's, and every time he does something new, it says, And evening passed, and morning came, marking what? The third day. And the evening, another evening passed, and morning came, marking what? That's right, another day. And on and on it goes, and it happened uh, all the way up until the sixth day. Okay, now do you see a pattern here? When you look at the scriptures over and over again, the pattern is that evening came and then morning came and that marked a day. Listen, you know what we do? We look at day. We, when we look at a day, we think of from day to night. But God looks at a day from night to day. Let me just put it like this. Our nights are God's beginnings. It's not the end 
because it, 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 if, it, if, the, if we end on the night, we end in darkness, and God says darkness is not going to win. So you may have darkness at some time in your life, but you're going to wake up in the morning, and you're going to have light, and you're going to come out of this thing. Now, now, I want you to put on your spiritual ears and hear what I'm trying to tell you this morning. What I'm saying is that there is a pattern that God established in creation where it was dark, he makes it light. It was dark, but it's not going to stay dark. He's going to, going to make a morning. You're going to come out of it. God's going to do something in your life. Amen. Now, listen, you need to get excited this morning because even if you're, not, even if you're in darkness, you need to be excited. Because there's a pattern, and in this pattern, God is going to work in your life. Now, that's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm just talking about how God does things. God says, I want to take away the old to establish the new. I'm going to take away the evening to start a morning. And God, and God says, you're not going to remain in darkness because the morning always comes, and then there's light. There's a pattern there. So God says, you have to understand that he, he says, I've set it up where things are always changing, you're always changing. And then God asks us the question, if everything is changing, then the question comes, then why are you still here? L let me say it this way. Everybody knows that there are seasons of the year. They're not quite as, as uh, defined down here in the South as they are in other places in the country, but there are seasons of the year. Here we just have uh, dry season and wet season. I think that's all we get here. We, you know, but, but, but truthfully, you know, we have four seasons throughout the year, you know, and winter is that season that you go through winter, uh, you know, almost represents those times in your life when it's gloomy, where everything's cold and everything's, nothing's growing, everything's de dead, nothing's happening. It's a time when you're going through your trial, but, but listen, there, there are seasons in life. And the reason that they're called seasons is because seasons don't last. Seasons don't last. There are beginnings and ends to seasons. You go from one season into another season. There's a season for planting and there's a season for harvest. And, and everybody in this room, we're walking through different seasons in life. And when you're in, when you're in your harvest time, don't look at somebody else that's not in harvest time and say, look at them. They're not doing anything with their life. And when you're in your winter season and everything seems dead and everything seems dry and you don't know how you're going to make it through, don't look over at another person and say, I can't believe that I'm not in harvest time. You have to understand that different people are in different seasons in life. You're not in my season and I'm not in your season. And some of us right now, some of us are in a dry place. It's dark and, and nothing is going right. It seems like your world is falling apart and you're sitting right next to somebody that where everything is going right in their life. And I mean, they just got a raise and they got a new car and you, 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 you can sit there and get angry and, and say, I don't get it. Well, it's just because you're in different seasons. What's great about seasons, though, is that they have a beginning and they have an ending. That's important to know whether you're going through a great season in your life or a bad season. If for a bad season, it's, it gives you hope to realize this is not going to be like this forever. There is going to come an end to the season in my life. And if you're going through a good season, it helps you look at life soberly and realize, listen, God is blessing and there are some great things going on right now. But I'm not going to get all high and mighty and proud about everything because I know this is a season in life and it won't always be the way it is right now. So, listen... 
I, I, here's the thing. I know that once a season starts, it's not going to last forever. I mean, has a season ever failed to change since you've been alive? That, sometimes I wonder here in Arkansas, is it rainy season ever, ever end? I don't know. But, you know, I mean, has it ever stayed winter forever? No, it hasn't because seasons change. Now, some may go longer, but you're still going to come out of it. Seasons begin and seasons end. Now, let me get back to my scripture. We're, going to look at, we're looking at patterns. Look at Luke chapter 5. I want you to see this. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he was with them? Now, now watch this, listen to this. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days they will fast. So he's talking about himself. He's saying, I'm the bridegroom and I'm going to be taken away. Now that, that didn't sound like good news to the disciples. That sounded like a bad idea. They didn't want that. They didn't care for that. There's no way we're going to be able to make it without Jesus. Lord, I mean, even Peter even rebuked him at one point in time and said, that can never happen to you because in their mind, the idea of Jesus going away was the worst news they could possibly imagine. And the thought of Jesus leaving brought utter confusion into their lives. I mean, how could Jesus leave? No, he's got to stay. But, but what he's saying here is that the bridegroom will be taken away from him. And in, then in those days, they'll fast. He's saying the bridegroom will be taken away. What, what's he talking about? Go back to Hebrews. He takes away the old to establish the new. I'm just trying to connect the dots for you here. He told them, let's keep reading. He told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of, out of a new. Somebody say new. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Somebody say old. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. He's saying, listen, you don't tear up a new garment so that you can patch up an old garment. You just don't do that. It ruins the new one and doesn't patch the old one. Listen, what he's saying here, I want you to get this very clearly. He's saying that you can't sacrifice the new thing that God is doing in order to preserve the old thing that he has done in the past. Do you hear that? That's really good. I, was, I know a preacher one time when he'd say something good, he would say, I need to pat myself on the back. I'm too, I'm too old to do that. It hurts when I do that, so I'm not going to do that ever again. Listen, here, here's, he's saying you can't sacrifice. He said you don't take a patch from a new garment. You don't cut it out so you can repair the old. He's saying you can't sacrifice the new thing that God is doing in order to preserve the old thing that he did in the past. He goes on, and no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. God takes away the old to establish the new because the old cannot contain the glory of the new thing he wants to do. It's hard to do something new when people want the old. Is, is there anybody else in here with me today? Let, let, I mean, let me get real. It is hard to pastor a church when people want the old and you want to bring them into something new. I've been in that situation. Well, I, I, I tell you what, Pastor Dave, the old has always been good. 
And the glory that we've been in for years back in my day when we had God moving, we prayed and it was good then. The, the songs were good. The song books were good. Now you're singing these all these newfangled songs with all these words in them, blah, 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 blah. They're just not as anointed. You can't do anything new. You can't do anything new because you're holding on to the old. Now, now listen, does that mean that, that because you're doing something new that the old is bad? No, not at all. Doesn't, doesn't mean that at all. That's part of the reason why people struggle with change because it seems like you're criticizing the old. No, the old was exactly what we needed for the moment at the time. But God has something new that he wants to do now and it's going to require something new to be able to break through in this culture, in this city today. Listen, the Bible says that we are to move from one glory to another glory. The next glory, hear, hear this, the next glory is not simply a repetition of the previous one. It's not repeating the same one from which we came. Well, we're going to move from glory to glory, but we're going to sing the same songs. We're going to preach the same sermons. We're going to, we're going to have everything the same. No, what you're saying is, yes, we want to change as long as everything stays the same. Doesn't make sense, does it? No, the next thing God does is totally different. And, and, and here's the thing. God doesn't have to ask our opinion about what that glory is because it's his glory, right? Uh, and I, all I know is if it, if, it, if it works to see people get saved and people get healed and for marriages to get restored, then I like the glory. You know, that, that, should be, that part should be the same in every glory, in every way, in every demonstration, every way that we present the gospel, that should be the same. But you can't fall into the trap of comparing the old with the new because you're moving from glory to glory. I don't know what the next one's going to look like. I don't have it. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know how the, the, the revival that's coming is going to, what it's going to look like. But I say this, let the next revival look like anything God wants it to look like as long as there are people getting saved. Amen? As long as people's lives are being rocked, I don't care how he does it. Just let him do it. But see, here's the thing. You can't put something new into something old. It just doesn't work. It doesn't happen. I mean, you remember some of the songs we used to sing in church? I'm going to have a little fun here. Don't get, don't get offended. Don't get upset at me. You know, we used to sing songs, Just as I am, just leave me alone. <laughs> you know? That's not really the words, you know, but you remember this song? I don't know who wrote this one. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree has planted. Can you help us, sir? I shall not be moved. Sir, uh, you know, we need some help in the usher team. Can you help us? I shall not be moved. I mean... Listen, I'm being facetious. I'm just playing around with this. But, you know, I think we need to write another song. Mary Beth, we need to work on this. We need to write a new song. We'll call it Uproot Your Life, Uproot Your Life, Uproot Your Life, Uproot Your Life. Just uproot Your Life, Uproot Your Life. Now you know why I don't dance. Because I busted my move. Just want to make sure you're paying attention today. Let's get back to Luke. He's a lot better. 
Verse 37, and no one pours new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out of the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. Now, now, wait till you get to this next verse. I want you to see it because you will see you, you will see me, you'll see every one of us in this verse. He said, and no one after drinking the old wines wants the new, for they say the old is better. That's what we do. What's he talking about? I'm right here. And God says, I want to take away the old to establish the new. Here I am living in my comfort zone. And I tell him, no, I don't want the new. The old is good enough. I don't need to change. I'm doing okay. I like it right here. And most of the body of Christ, listen, they have not been, they have not activated what God has saved them to do. They have not accomplished the purpose that God saved them for. You've not gone to the place God wants you to go. Because listen, we are stuck and we are stubborn in a place where where we say, I don't want anything else. I don't want God to move me. I don't want to change my mindset. I'm not going to change anything at all because if I do, I have to let go of something else that I'm comfortable with. God says you shouldn't have to have that in your life anyway. He says, let go of it because if you're going to go where I want to take you, if you're going to go where you, where, where you need to go, then you have to let go of this. You have to let go of something in order to take hold of something new. So God says, why are you still here, Dave, when you should be there? And the only answer I can give him is that I hate change. You realize, here's the thing, the end of one thing is the beginning of something else. So the end of something, like a season, will end up becoming the beginning of something else. So every night brings the promise of a new day. When you saw evening and morning, that should have ignited you to realize that whatever your day was like, God is, God is going to wipe it clean and he's going to give you a new start with a new day. It, it, listen, it could have said an evening came and evening stayed. And then on the second day, evening came and evening stayed on the second day. And then evening came and darkness was there on the third day and evening stayed. But some of us live uh, 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 that rather than realize that when the sun comes up in the morning, everything that happened yesterday and everything that happened last week is wiped out and you get to start all over again. His mercies are new every morning. You get to, that's exciting to know. It closes the day, but I, but, and I start out a new day, but our problem is we like the old. You realize what, what Jesus said when he, when he said the bridegroom is going to leave? Let, let me show it to you like this. Jesus said, I'm going to leave because he said it's going to be good for you because I'm going to send you another comforter. What he's saying is, I'm going to send you something better. Now, I'm going to make an assumption right now. You may not agree with me, but that's okay. I believe that there are many, many people in the body of Christ who would rather have Jesus in bodily form right with them right now rather than the Holy Spirit. Think about it. Jesus said, I have to leave. I, I, have, I have to be taken away to establish something better. He takes away the first to establish something better. So Jesus is saying, you're better off living today than you would have been living with me 2,000 years ago. 
And we think to ourselves, if only I could have lived with Jesus. No, 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 no. It's better today than it was back then because here's why. Jesus couldn't be in all places at all times when he was walking the face of this earth. If Jesus were speaking in Jerusalem on his day, then he couldn't be here this morning. If he was in China right now, he couldn't be at Restoration Life Church like he has been this morning. He, 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 if he was over in Cambodia, he couldn't speak here today. Jesus says, now that I've gone, the Holy Spirit can speak in every place that there is. He can speak in every city there is. He said, I can be in Houston and I can be in Marion at the same time. I can be in China. I can be in Cambodia. I can be everywhere all over the world at the same time. He says, it's better. And who would have thought that Jesus leaving would be good and there'd be something better? But he said there's something better. He takes away the old to establish the new. All right, now let me get to the heart of this. Why does God take away the old to establish the new? Here's some reasons. It's going to be simple. This is simple. None of this is rocket science, but it's true. He takes away the old to establish the new because he wants us to grow up. Turn to somebody and say, grow up. How's that feel, Mr. Adult? Some of you, some of you have been waiting to say that to your husband for a long time, haven't you? <laughs> we got revival in, at Restoration Life Church today. You have to grow up. You know what? For a long time, the church has talked about going up. Talking about our journey to heaven. We want to get to heaven. We want to get there. That's great. That's wonderful. That's exciting. That's our, our blessed hope. But for a long time, we've talked about going up. The, but the Bible talks a lot more about growing up. Listen, don't, you don't need to worry about going up. If you're saved, you don't need to worry about that. God wants you, as long as you're here, He wants you to grow up. He wants you and me to, 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 to grow in our maturity, in our faith. I mean, how many people here have found that it's hard to leave your place with God and move on to another place? Anybody here found that that's hard to do? Anybody besides me? Am I the only, only one that's... Yeah, it's hard for us to move and navigate through this and go to another place. You, you, it really is. You know why? Here's a real simple word. It breaks it down. The word is comfort. It's hard for us to move to another place with God because we get comfortable where we are. Lord, I'm going to church a couple days a month. I'm giving a little bit. I'm doing better than I was back then. You know what? You're not supposed to be just doing okay. You're not supposed to be just barely making it through. You're not supposed to be just all right in life. God has called you to do something great for his kingdom. He has put a seed of potential in you for, for doing something great. He wants you to grow. So how do you grow? I mean, listen, are you still wearing, uh, this is not spiritually, I'm talking about physically. Are you still wearing your baby pants and baby shirt right now? No. No, thank the Lord for that. Everybody else is thankful for that. No, you grew. You can't fit into your baby clothes anymore, can you? I, I hope not. Otherwise, I feel really bad for your mama. That's a bad day for her. Most children's birth is a wonderful moment, but if you were born at the current size, then your mama really, you know, pray for her. That's all I can say. Listen, if you're, if you're fitting into your baby clothes and spiritually, it's time to take them off. It's time to start growing and let, and let God replace your baby clothes with some weapons of warfare. He, let, let grow up and let him begin to put some armor of God on you. It's, but here's the thing. It's up to you. It's your choice. 
Growth is something spiritually that you have to decide you're going to do. It's, it's not something that just happens. And you wonder, you may be sitting there wondering, why doesn't God ever give me anything new? Everything is, just seems the same. Why is it uh, I never have anything new? The answer may be that you've determined that you're not going to leave this place and, and you're not going to go to the new place for you. And, and, and you have to say, I'm going to leave right now. I have to let this go. I have to move on. I have to grow up. Let me give you a second one. God takes away the old to establish the new in order to provide guidance. He takes away something from us in order to provide guidance. Look at 1 Kings chapter 17. Now before we read this, let me tell you where we're at in, in this story. Uh, Elijah, not Elisha, but Elijah the prophet had gone to the king and told him there was going to be a drought. And, and here he is. God has sent him out on, on assignment. God has used him. And now the drought is taking hold and he's camping out by a brook. So there you go. For you campers out there, there it is right there in Scripture. The prophet of God is camping. Verse Chapter, chapter 17, verse 5. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. Can you imagine this? The birds are doing room service for the prophet of God. And they're bringing him bread and they're bringing him meat. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever been out with birds and you throw bread on the ground, they don't take it to anybody. They like to eat that up right away. But these birds are bringing him bread and meat. I mean, what raven is out there butchering some meat and bringing it to him? This is a miracle. Room service for the prophet. And he's sitting there back there and he's sitting there by the brook, sitting under the shade, enjoying himself. And, you know, I mean, just a great thing. You know, he rings his little bell and the birds come. You know, here's your bread, Elijah. They bring him some food and he takes a a drink of that clean water out of the brook that he's sitting next to. And he just, I mean, you know, it's just a wonderful thing. He's he's leaning back on this tree. I'm hungry. You know, there it is. And the birds are like, is this okay? Is this what you want, Elijah? I don't want God to be mad at me. I, you know, if you, you want some dessert, I'll bring you some dessert, whatever. So what I'm saying is Elijah is in a reasonably comfortable place after being used by God. And listen, there are people who have done things for God that, that this is what happens. You, you look back at what you've done and God uses you to do some great thing and, and then you camp out there and you say, I'm done. And many times God has used us and we, we sit on that last thing that, that God has done in our lives. And, and, and listen, in my life, I could sit, I've spent a lot of years in youth ministry and had some great, powerful youth ministry days. And I could sit back on, uh, on that youth ministry days. I could talk about, about, to people about what I did in youth ministry and how I did it. I could talk about all, all the, the things that I did 30 years ago, but I am so past that, that but, but what are we talking about today? He takes away the old to establish the new. God is getting ready to ask Elijah the question, why are you still here? Because listen, if you're a prophet, you're not doing the prophet thing sitting here by yourself because you need to prophesy to somebody else. You don't prophesy to yourself while you're sitting alone under a tree all all, all day long. That's not what the prophet does. He says, I've given you a voice to share with the people, not just to share with yourself. You're not even doing what I've called you to do. So, So in order to get him to move, what does he have to do? Look at it. Get ready to read this because this is what he has to do in our lives sometimes. So he's sitting there relaxing. The birds are coming. Oh, here's your breakfast. You know, 
just, I don't know. I don't know. Sorry. So he's sitting there relaxing. It says, verse 7, But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. The brook dried up. Some of you need your brook to dry up. Some of you need all of your supply to dry up. You know what? You can ring your bell, but now the ravens aren't going to be dropping off anything anymore. Now there's no water. And all of a sudden you realize, I can't stay here any longer. Many times what God has to do is that he has to take away your comfortable position and say, I've not asked you to be comfortable. I've asked you to be powerful. And you need to step out and start doing what God has called you to do. And this, this is what he says in verse 9. He, he said, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. And if you continue reading from there, there's a widow there in that, in that city that she's starving to death with her son. Elijah walks in and, she, and says, make me a meal. You, it actually says, you could translate and say, make, I want a cupcake is kind of what he said. He said, but he said, make me something to eat. And she says, listen, I was going to go make our, uh, I was out getting this stuff. I'm going to go make our last meal and my son and I are going to eat it and then we're going to die. And he said, instead, I want you to give that last meal to me. And she went ahead and fed him. And then, the, and then he prophesied and said, you'll never go hungry in this drought. You will always have food. And they had food from that day on. But here's what I want you to see. He had to get Elijah away from the brook because there was another assignment for him. There was someplace else they needed to go. There was somebody else that he needed to touch. And I can't help but wonder, and when I look at our lives, what's God's next assignment for you? Have you thought about that? Listen, it's not just to appear in church on the weekend. I mean, that's nice, but, but you need to, don't, don't you imagine that, that it might be a little bit more than that? What is God saying is your next assignment? Now, I don't have time to deal with this, but let me just put the third one up here. God takes away the old to establish the new in order to warn us. In order to warn us. What I mean by that is, is this. If, if I do not do what God has asked me to do, God will warn me. Now listen, if I refuse, if I'm one of those people that say, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to move out of my comfort zone. I'm not going to leave the old to grab a hold of the new. Then God will remove me and put someone else there. For example, I'll give you a couple of examples. I don't have time to give you all the scriptures, but Saul was the anointed king of Israel. Saul is disobedient. Saul does not repent. Saul eventually is removed and replaced as the king of Israel. Saul, get out of the way. I'm going to take away the old to establish David. Eli. The high priest, Eli, your kids are disobedient in the house of God. Eli, correct your kids. Eli, you're not a good father. Eli, you're not a good example as the head of this temple. I want you to take care of this. Oh, you're not going to do it? Get out of the way then. I warned you. Samuel, you come in and you take over. I wonder how many of us have lost out on a calling that was supposed to be ours but was given to someone else. Because we were not ready to jump up and say, pick me. I know you're talking to me. I want to be the one, God. Because we weren't willing to let go of the old in order to embrace the new. Think about what you have to do to get to that place that God has planned for you. What, you, you, you listen, I, you happen to have a pastor that just believes that you're not there yet. Because I'm not there yet. 
You know, over the past several months, I've been walking through a process of evaluation. I've heard the Lord asking, why are you still where you are? And, you know, he said, listen, Dave, you could, you could ride this thing out for the rest of your life. But I didn't call you to do that. I felt him telling me that we have to stop waiting as a church. We have to stop waiting for people to come to us and we have to find a way to go to them. I believe that God's calling us to extend the message of the gospel to as many people as we can in as many ways as possible. Listen, I believe one, some of the things that I believe he's calling us to do is we, we, need to, we need to install and upgrade video equipment and lighting in this place because I believe that he's calling us to live stream our services and make the gospel available right on the computer screens of people all over the world. To be able to take the gospel wherever, wherever there's a computer. I believe that God is, 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 is calling us. Listen, we need, a new, we need to build a new building to reach this city. There are things that need to be done. We need to invest in a generation that's going to change this world. Our teenagers and our children, we need to find ways that we can do that. And listen, we, we can do better. We can do better. We can give our youth ministries the tools they need to turn our schools upside down for Christ. We need to invest more in our children's ministries. There are families that desperately need help with the challenges that they're facing in today's society. And we need to start new connect groups. And we need to start new kinds of small groups in this church to take the gospel to new people in our county. We need to increase. Listen, this is so desperate. We need to increase our mission support. We need to give more more to missionaries. We need to send more missionaries to the field. We need to step up and say, God, what do you want to do through me to take this gospel around the world? And we need to go on missions trips to let God give us a new perspective of what it means to take the gospel to the world. We need to equip the people of Restoration Life Church to effectively share their faith with a community that's lost and hurting. We, listen, we need to get to the place where we can support full-time staff on the, in, this, in this church so that we can support the structure of the ministries that we need to be doing. We need this, and it's to, I believe we need to begin to dream bigger dreams for the kingdom of God in the city of Marion and in Crittenden County and beyond. Somebody say amen in this place. But here's the thing. I have never been good at asking for help. I was raised that you just roll up your sleeves and do what needs to be done. Probably a lot of you are raised exactly the same way. But here's what I know. I can't get us there by myself. I can't get there on my own. I need your help. We're in this together. We have all been called to this mission. We've all been called to make Jesus famous in this city and in this world. So when I preach to you, why are you still here? I'm hearing the same question. I can't just stay where I am because I believe with all my heart that we can touch the world from right here in Marion. It's easy to say, oh, we're just little Marion. We're just a little Restoration Life Church. I'm going to give you a, a Greek word to define what I think about that statement. Hogwash. And, and uh, the, mean, the meaning of the Greek word hogwash is baloney. No, listen. It's not up to the big churches. It's up to us. 
God has a vision. God has a plan. There's something he wants to do. But in order to reach out to grab hold of the new, that means sometimes that means we're going to have to let go of the old. And I'm not here to talk about what changes need to be happened, but, but, but I'm just saying that we have to get to a place where we say, not just as a church, but individually in our lives and our walk with the Lord, that we're, we, we reach a place in our lives where we say, Lord God, I am, I'm ready to move. I, I don't want to stay where I am. I don't want to get trapped by comfort and convenience in my life. Listen, every, everybody stand. Bow your head. Close your eyes. Some of you here today, you, you may be in that place of darkness. It just doesn't seem like it's moving from darkness to light. It seems like it's just staying in darkness. You know what? Maybe God is just wanting you to repent of stubbornness in the direction that you've been traveling. He wants you to come back to him. He may be saying, why are you, why are you stubborn and staying where you are? Why will you not just move from where you are? I mean, who wants to stay the same and say, I've always been this way when there's something uh, in you to do something greater? God hasn't called us. Listen, God has not called us to an easy, comfortable life. He may be in the process of taking something away in order to establish something new in your life. He may be trying to move you into a new place. And so the question for everybody in this room is what is holding you back from going where you need to go? Figure it out. Listen to what he's saying to you. It might be one of the greatest things you'll ever hear in this church because it's a pushing out. And listen, in this place today, if you, I don't want anything you've done in your past to dictate your future. We talked a little bit that, about that last week. Don't let one mess up, one sin, one thing that the devil keeps dangling in front of you. Oh, you can't do this because you did that thing. You can't because you, you the way you used to live. Oh, you, you can't because you have this divorce. You can't because of all this. Don't you dare let him do that to you. You are a child of God. You tell him, I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. I don't, you don't remind me of my past. I, it has been thrown in the sea of forgetfulness. God doesn't remember it, and so I don't want to hear about it anymore. I'm a new creation through Jesus Christ. Amen? All of this building, with heads bowed and eyes closed. You say, Pastor, I need to break the darkness. I need to break free of some things. Sometimes the darkness is because of sin. It's, some, it's because of disobedience. Let's be honest, your disobedience is holding back. Don't let it do that anymore. You say, Pastor, I, just, I need to get free. I need to ask Jesus to wipe this stuff out, clean it out of me, to take every weight off of my life. I'm so sick of staying where I am. I need to move forward. If that's you in this place this morning and you'd say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me because I need to move forward in my walk with Jesus. And if that's you, raise your hand right where you are, all over this place. All right, now listen, that's awesome. Listen, now with your hands raised, I want you to, to step out where, from where you are. I want you to come. Give me three minutes. Give me three minutes at this altar because there's nothing more important that you can do with your life. There's nothing more important than if you just take these next few moments.